the local elections earlier in May, a lot of young Fabians were absolutely exhausted. Some were thrilled at the results in Wales and out in the east of England. But here in the West Midlands, Labour hadn't made the gains that we expected. Yet, as the results were coming in, people were digesting them and started texting me saying, Nathan, you're in Coventry. What is going on in Earlston? So today's guest on Winning in the West Midlands is Ant Tucker, who's just won in Earlston Ward, completing the set of three Labour councillors in that South Coventry ward and, and polling 500 votes more than the Conservatives there. And listeners might be wondering, why should you care about a leafy council ward on the southeast tip of the West Midlands metropolitan area? Well, firstly, it's pretty unusual to have Labour on a winning streak like this, securing all three councillors. We've got to find out how that happened. Secondly, crucially, the parliamentary constituency of Coventry South has a majority of only 401 not really far off what we see when we toss up all the constituencies at the council elections. They're a good reflection of the local politics. Thirdly, Earlston is a key centre for university educated people who are in South Warwickshire and look into the Warwick and Leamington seat uh, where the University of Warwick is. And that's the only seat outside of the combined metropolitan authority area in the whole West Midlands where Labour has any seats and Labour needs to win seats outside that authority area in order to win. But then, as we look across from the West Midlands to the East Midlands, Coventry has loads in common with the big cities, Derby, Nottingham, Leicester, that are also under threat at the moment as big labour centres. And how do we expand beyond those? And finally, the final reason is that as a leafy university adjacent and really beautiful English city location outside London, where the voters have previously looked to the Conservatives, listeners are probably pricking up their ears now and thinking, blue wall, is this, uh, is, you know, how did Labour turn all those kind of previously slightly conservative leaning lovely areas of England red next time? But that's the national picture. And, and we'd love just to hear a little bit about you. Can you tell us about you and about your background? Thank you very much for the introduction. It's a real pleasure to be here. Um, I suppose talking about myself is something I've, I've had to get used to over the last couple, couple of months. But uh in terms of introduction, I mean, I moved to Coventry when I was a teenager. Um, initially, um, I thought I was going to be around the university for a while and possibly move on. But in many ways, I really liked, liked the area, wanted to stay. And I met my partner, who's Cov-born and bred. So, um, well, I'm not a son of the city. I'm soon going to be a son-in-law of the city, at least. And it's a beautiful place to live. And the real sense of community we get where we are is one of the reasons I think that so many people are looking at Elston as a really fortunate place in the West Midlands. So did you, did you go to the University of Warwick? Oh, I did indeed, yeah. I was, I was there for um, four years to do a degree. And then I, um, as part of graduating, I thought I looked around and where was the best place to live. And Elson is, you know, the best place um, of all of the, uh, the, the many options we have in Coventry. We have so many neighbourhoods which are changing rapidly, which are up and coming. But I was used to Elston. I'd lived there briefly as a student. Um, and also my other half being Cobborn and Bread, there was nowhere else he he, he wanted to live uh, more than Elston. So we thought this is a perfect, perfect pairing in so many ways. And um, yeah, that's 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 where we ended up. Yeah, so we're all a bit linked then to uh, the area because Nathan is studying and working with the university. And I, I also went to that university, but I like chose, I missed out on the Elston experience. <laughs> like... Um, so what, what would you say is like the best like night out, evening out in Alston? 
Um, I mean, there's so many great places I could mention in this in this uh, moment. Um, I think Austin is, is a really great place to go out, but it's also a nice place to spend a day. It's not a it's not a party destination. It's somewhere where you can get a nice meal or go to a decent pub. I mean, oh, there's so many choices. Um, maybe a meal at Millsy's or the Bombay Palace or the Royal Bengal, which are all fantastic restaurants. Um, possibly pop into Beer Gonzo, which is our great local real ale shop, which goes on tap room or the Royal Oak um, or um, the Cottage, which does a great pub quiz as well. Um, I could I could give a shout out to half a dozen other businesses, come to think of it. But um, in terms of meeting up with people and finding somewhere, place that's just friendly in itself, I think you should, you'd go very, very hard to have to try and beat Coventry and Earlston as a, as a particular area. Absolutely. Um, and hopefully when everybody who's listening comes up to campaign with us, next time we'll be able to show them the wonders of Earlston. But uh, in, my, oh, yes. <laughs> um, in my introduction, and kind of from what you're saying, it sounds like Earlston's, you know, a relatively well-off place, part of the, uh, the kind of area where lots of professionals are living, lots of university-adjacent people. And do you think that's fair? And, and how far did that kind of affect your campaign? I mean, it's, I think it's fair to say that our, our ward is, is on average wealthier than others, but it, it's worth remembering that what people think of as, as Earlsdon, as like central Earlsdon, is no more than 60% of the ward. We take in a fair chunk of Stichel, which is has an older demographic, for example, and also areas of Canley and Tile Hill, um, which do not feel like central Earlsdon. So once again, the boundaries don't quite reflect what we live in our daily lives. But I mean, it, it is fair to say that I think the area is certainly wealthy on average. There's more uh, home ownership in some parts and other parts are like, I think many of the people on this on this podcast like to be young renters. Um, and certainly there's a lot of employment connected to the universities, plural. And as a result, I think a lot of voters around here are very well clued up. And certainly on the doorstep, we were hearing a lot of very current issues, national and local, that clearly showed people were engaged with the political process. Yeah, it's really interesting you mentioned home ownership because in our recent Winning in the West Midlands series podcast with Mike Foster, the only person ever to win Worcester for Labour, he talked about the importance of reaching owner-occupiers in wards uh, like he described St Peter's in South Worcester alongside kind of council estate wards. And I wonder whether that affected your campaign at all. I mean, one of the the things we talk about most as a team of councillors, and we do work as a team, is not just representing the ward, but also championing it. So as in that kind of role, we won't just say, well, this is a charity you could donate money to. It's a question of, right, we are going to come to your home and collect food for a food bank, something we've done very successfully. And, you know, it's the right thing to do, regardless of what your politics are. Um, And we found that no matter where you go in the ward, owner-occupied or rented, for example, and it differs in area, you get a very similar, very enthusiastic response. And I think that's been finding those themes that really unify people, no matter what their ownership situation is, that's really kind of paid off. Instead of what I think traditionally has happened is that a lot of people look at a certain polling district, they say, okay, everybody there owns their own home. The average age is about 65. We're not going to go there. That's not been our approach at all. We've viewed owner-occupiers as every bit as important as young renters or students and said that everybody here has a reason to vote Labour. Let's make sure they understand that and that they want to vote Labour. Hopefully it pays off. I love that because on our um, on our recent podcast with Gareth Snell, he said 
that people just hate it when you just tell them their life is crap so they should vote Labour and it sounds like you've found ways to negotiate that in your campaign really. Well I mean this is our message was overwhelmingly positive it's like Olsen's a great place to live and let's celebrate it in what we do but instead of resting on our laurels which you know which is a tourist message to owner occupiers is that that your house is is just the centre of your universe your community doesn't matter to you our whole pitch was we pull together and if the last 18 months has told us anything it's that we are all responsible for one another that checking on your neighbor is no different to looking after somebody in the next street over who may be you know in a food crisis or unemployed i think rebuilding that sense of community is incredibly important in every kind of activity we do and that you know that goes across every part of the ward can you tell us about how these Labour victories in Coventry and Leamington, um, how do these relate to the un- replacement of Tory councillors in Elsdon over the last few years? I mean, I think it's a kind of uh, bellwether in many ways. Local elections as an aggregate tend to be a very good indication of, of what's going to happen in the next general. And certainly on a local level, what we've seen in uh, Leamington um, has been reflected in what Matt Weston's achieved uh, locally um, in the, the most recent uh, general elections, for example, holding on to what is by all means a difficult seat, but doing it through great local campaigning. I mean, I've got a lot of time for Matt. I think he's he's really taken up the, the challenge that his seat has, uh, has occupied. He's been active and he's been engaged with what people want. And he's understood that that's the way the demographic of the Labour vote is changing. And I like to think we've done something similar in Elsdon in that we've understood that just trotting out the same sort of campaign that we might have been tempted to do 10 or 15 years ago is not going to work in Elston. It's not going to work in Coventry at all. Um, so I, I think what we're looking at is a mixture of demographic change and also candidates who are simply willing to do things that are different, to go the extra mile and to communicate a more hopeful message of a better future. I mean, I think, I think in terms of building on previous success, that's you know, with my hands held up, that's why we managed to win this time. I mean, on the one hand, you know, obviously I'm very proud to have won this third Elsdon seat. It's the first time in history Elsdon has had three Labour councillors. And But the real credit should go to my colleagues, Becky and Kindy. Uh, when Kindy won in 2017, nobody thought Elsdon was ever going to go red. No one had won in Elsdon since, I think, 1998. So if you like the high point of, of our electoral success in the 90s. And... That win was sort of thought, oh, well, that's great. That's a massive shock. What will happen again? And then the next year, my friend Becky turns up and she unseats an incumbent for the first time in 20, 25 years. And people start looking at us and thinking, well, this is obviously an area where we can really grow. And then, of course, you know, we'll see a much longer campaign due to the pandemic and everything. But certainly knocking on the doorstep, when you say about you're working with Becky and Kindy, it's about a team effort. And these candidates are, these councils, sorry, are comparatively new, but as a candidate, you're working with them. That's a message that really went down fantastically well. As a sense of sort of an independent community, I think that the fact we had some really excellent councillors who were new to the job but were very much active was what allowed me to to go on and build on that success. Now, I'm I'm very proud to have a big majority, but I know that that's not just down to myself or even down to this campaign. It's down to the hard work that my my friends put in in the years before when nobody thought a win in Elston was possible. And can you tell us a bit about the priorities that you and your colleagues in Elston have for the area? 
I mean, we've got oh, we've, we've got plenty of ideas. I wouldn't worry about that. But um, I mean, I've, I've said talks about the importance of community a lot. And we are blessed that we've got a great number of community organisations, neighbourhood associations, volunteers at the library, um, some actually superb charities that have a local but also citywide impact. And working with them and kind of enabling them to do that extra bit is one of our main priorities, whether that's providing uh, a link to the council officer they need to speak to, whether that's helping them fundraise, whether that's simply trying to locate where they can connect and work together. That's the sort of enabling role I think we've really carried out well as councillors. And that's fed very much into what I think people have appreciated on the doorstep. In terms of other priorities more broadly, I mean, we are all wholeheartedly in favour of the Green New Deal and wholeheartedly against this idea that we can just allow the climate emergency to be ignored on the local level. So whether that's celebrating the recent investment in recycling facilities in Coventry, whether that's uh, encouraging, for example, VLR and the electric bus fleet, the idea that locally we can lead the way, you know, lead by example and transform our economy to be more sustainable and greener for the benefit of everybody. That's something that's we've heard time and time again on the doorstep and it's something that we are all wholeheartedly in favour of. Yeah, that's really, really good to hear because like um, I'm really interested in climate change and I think it's a shame that Liam didn't win because he did have a really strong green manifesto. So it's good that at least, you know, Coventry, I think there was the Coventry have a green, local Green New Deal. So They do indeed. It's an absolutely fantastic group that have not just sort of raise the awareness of existing issues but of themselves gone in and done the work and they know how to uh, promote the ideas of the future to the representatives of today no I'm looking forward to working with them in any way I can to bring that green new deal home to Coventry and hopefully can sit continue our long history of being at the forefront of technology and industry that's amazing that's really incredible um and like on the like sort of green agenda and there's been some hype about the Green Party winning votes in southern England and here in the West Midlands, a lot of uh, people who put the Green Party as their first choice put the Conservative Andy Street um, as the second preference. Was that also an issue in Elsdon? Well, in Elsdon, the, the Green vote actually went down this time. I think I think what we saw is that um, of the parties that were running, it tended to be that there was a lot of crossover between the Liberals and the Greens. Um, the, the Green vote went down by the same amount as the Liberal vote went up. So I, I think that while they're both comparatively small numbers, I think that's certainly locally what we saw happen. The Greens didn't particularly turn up and I don't think Olsen's a priority for them. Um, I know in other parts of the city they tried very hard, although they didn't win any seats, of course. Um, but certainly on the broader issue of we know why people put in green first and Tory second. I think we may be tapping into, you know, what the Greens don't admit as a party is that they like to pretend that they're always left of Labour or that they're somehow better than us. But in reality, they are. They more often appeal to a demographic which is not in favour of development, not in favour of any kind of serious ecological transformation. They're keen to point pick at the holes in our arguments but they don't have a viable alternative they they still are essentially a party of protest and compared to our party which has to be a party of government so we can win and make change i i don't think the green party are going to cut through anytime soon picking up on that theme of the kind of real the politics of it you work in taiwo otemi's northwest coventry seat 
and you're a councillor in a quite demographically different area in South Coventry, but they're both both Westminster constituencies. Labour held with only a few hundred votes at the last election. And if the Brexit party votes break for the Tories like they did in Hartlepool, uh, they could be seats that are in trouble. So do you think that that gives you a unique perspective on how Labour can hold together its whole coalition of different voters who it needs to really get out at the next general election? I mean, I, I think what you've pointed out with the Brexit party is, is bang on. The uh, the mood of some people I've talked to about this is, oh, well, we had a lucky escape, but that's kind of the worst it's ever going to get. I don't think that's necessarily true. We have to go into the next election with the idea that we are going to try and gain Coventry Northwest, Coventry South. And while I can't speak for the team at um, the Cobb South level, certainly Coventry Northwest, that's what we're doing. We're not taking a single vote for granted. We are going to reconnect with people who perhaps haven't been talked to in a, a clear decade and really make sure that every single voter knows that there is somebody who is on their side. I've, um, she's, she's my boss, so I would say this, but I've, I've infinite respect for the way Tyro campaigns and thinks about politics. She always puts people dead at the centre of it. And in terms of um, what this means for the future, I think that we have... Yeah, there's a demographic change in our voter coalition and it's it's been a challenge. It's probably why we lost places like Hartlepool. It is true that the the right wing vote is coalescing behind the Tories in a way that the left is still comparatively fractured. Um, it's always going to be a problem and it's going to be worse if the Tories manage to change the voting system or exclude people um, through vote, compulsory voter ID plans. But the, in many ways, the way to win is the way to always win is to put forward relevant policies that matter to people in their everyday lives instead of talking about politics in the abstract and focusing on small protest groups we have to focus on what really matters to as many people as possible Uh, there's a lot of things that will get us going as politically engaged people and as you know as a young Fabian of course I'm proud to be part of this fantastic organization where we debate and think of the ideas of the future but at the same time, I think we're all realistic enough to know that the vast majority of people don't particularly get involved in day-to-day politics. Most people think about it for 10, 10 minutes a day when they watch the news. And it's those are the people we need to reconnect with. I think for too long, we've been talking to ourselves and just assuming that what happens on Twitter will happen in the country. And we've lost elections as a result. I would be absolutely devastated to see any part of Coventry go blue at the next general election. So I think what we need to do is focus on the um, the issues that are going to really motivate the vast majority of people to go into the ballot box and put an X by Labour. And it's fantastic to hear you describe the way you've developed and learned from working with your current boss. Uh, when we did an episode of Winning in the West Midlands podcast with Jackie Smith, she highlighted the importance of having youthful, energetic people working alongside people Um, with a lot of wisdom and experience from previous victories together. And as you mentioned, you're a young Fabian. But I wondered if you could talk a bit about the sources of wisdom and experience that you draw on in particular. I mean, it ties in with being a comparatively young councillor. I'm the second youngest councillor there is uh, in Coventry. I'm the the baby of the group, so to speak. Um, And when you're sat there with people who are, you know, potentially been councillors for 40 years, you 
have to seize that opportunity to learn. I think there's a real opportunity. Now I'm a councillor to sit next to some people who have served this city brilliantly for years and years and years. We know on average councillors tend to be much older than uh, the, uh, the general population. And as such, I'm hoping to learn from certainly some of my most long-standing colleagues and feed that into what I do. And if it makes me a better representative, then I'll be very happy indeed. And final question, kind of returning to like question topic we've already covered. Um, I'm just really interested in Coventry's Green New Deal. And like, if you had to um, summarise it a little bit, um, because I, I don't think Birmingham really has one. <laughs> and they kind of need one. So um, what, what does what is Coventry's Green New Deal? What does it involve? Well, um, I can uh, speak to a, a certain amount of what we've managed to feed into our own local campaign. As it's in many ways, it's looking at the big picture. What do we need to change as a as a country um, in the economy more broadly? How can we make Britain more sustainable? And then thinking, well, locally, what does this actually mean on the ground? Um, that's been, for example, looking at transport. Once upon a time, Coventry was Motor City, and it's looking at the future and saying, well, we've still got these skills, but how do we transfer those? into the industries of the future. We have a battery innovation center. How can we create the batteries of the future? That means that cars will still be built in Coventry. People will still have those well-paid technical jobs, but they'll do it in a way that doesn't rely on the oil lasting forever and can actually respond to change rather than have change affected upon us. And I think it's that idea of being at the forefront of spearheading change, which is at the heart of any good Green New Deal group. Um, our local activists are fantastic and have really succeeded in putting this on the agenda. I would like to think that that's a poll around we can organise in future. It's about transformation. Labour politics are about change for the better and for helping the majority of people better their lives. And I think we cannot ignore the climate emergency and all of that. None of us is going to benefit from a destabilised planet and from the results of, of the climate emergency. We have to avoid a climate catastrophe becoming true and we can start that off in our local neighbourhoods. Thanks, Anne. It's been so good having you um, here with us to share your kind of comments on policy and things. Um, and as you know, there's lots of people in the Young Fabians. That we had a handful of people stand to be councillors um, at the last election. It's fantastic to have um, Young Fabian elected. And just uh, before you go, any insights for young Fabians who are listening, who are thinking they'd like to uh, run to be a councillor in a big city like Coventry in the near future, what, what advice would you give them? Uh, my advice is, is get stuck in, as, as always. Um, we are a party with a great membership and we have an activist base that's bigger than I think any other party or possibly all other parties put together. But that doesn't mean you can't find your own niche and to really start learning about a neighbourhood, whether you're keen to organise food bank collections or litter picks, whether you're exceptionally good at writing copy for leaflets, and we always need copy for leaflets, whether it's a question of organising a young members group near to where you live, or whether you simply want to shadow an existing councillor and learn from that practical experience. There is always a thousand and one ways to get involved. It, there's, it's, it's not possible to know your own area or the area you want to run too well. So as long as you get involved, as long as you learn those issues from people on the doorstep or through however they communicate with you, um, I, I think that's, that's the key to it. You have to learn every street, learn what the issues really matter. And the more you learn, the more prepared you'll be. Um, I, I'm really proud when I see other young people get elected because there are not enough of us at a council level. In Britain, the average age of a councillor is still about 65. 
So to have young people elected at any level is always a pleasure. And it goes against this idea that young people aren't interested in politics. I think, speaking for all of us, we all care about our, where we live. We all care about our communities. And the best way to champion that is in your council house, in the city chamber, whatever you call it, representing your area is the best way to champion it. Thanks, Anne. So finding the policies that really matter to people, getting stuck in and changing people's lives for the better. It's been some brilliant insights. Thanks for talking to us today. Cheers. Thanks. Thanks.